Chapter Eighteen of the Three Mullamulgars. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter Eighteen. The pass grew ever steeper, but now that the travellers were no longer pestered by the Obobo mans, they managed to struggle slowly on, and near about sunset they had tugged their way to the top and came out again under the mountainside. They spread out their blankets and threw themselves down, panting, bruised, and outwearied. But they made no fire here yet, because their wood was running short, and all that they had would be needed against the small hours of the night. They nibbled at their blue cheese and a few cold eagle bones, and having cut one of their skin bags to pieces, broke up the frozen milk and shared the lumps between them. Thumb and Nod crouched down beside Thimble, who was now awake and in his own mind, and they told him all that had happened since his megrims had come on. He was still weak and fretful, and turned his eyes hastily from the sight of the mouldy cheese the mountain mulgars were nibbling, but he sucked a few old aka nuts. Then they lifted him gently, and with an arm round Thumb's neck and a hand on Nod's shoulder, they walked him a while quietly in the snow. While the brothers were thus walking friendly together, Gibba groped his way up to them. "'I come, royal travellers,' he said, "'to tell you that here our country ends. Zut lies now behind us. Yonder stretches the shadow country, and my people know the way no farther.' The three brothers turned their heads to look, and on their cudgel hand, about two leagues distant, stood Solmi to the west, and a little in front of them Moot and Macri. Upon the topmost edge of the snow-slope at the foot of which they were now encamped ran a long low border of a kind of thorn-bush, huddling among great rocks and boulders, resembling a little the valley of the Bababumas. "'You mean, O man of the mountains, whose friendship has been our very lives to us,' said Thumb, "'that now we must journey on alone?' "'No, Malamulgar. I mean only that here the Muna country, my people's country, ends.' and therefore that I cannot now be certain of the way to the valleys of Tishnar. But this I do know, that beyond here is thick with the snares of Numenasi. But if the Mulgar princes and the Nizanila Ingenaries, who saved my kinsman life, would have it so, and are not weary of our company, then I and my people will journey on with them till they come to an end. We know from childhood these desolate mountains. They are our home." We eat little, drink little, and can starve as quietly as an icicle can freeze. If need be, and I do not boast, Mullamulgars, we thin shanks can march softly all day for many days and not fall by the way. We are, I think, merely leather men, not meant for flesh and blood. But the Mullamulgars have fought with us, and we are friends, and I myself am friend to the last sleep of the small prince, Nizanila, who has the color of Tishnar in his eyes. Shall it be farewell, travellers, or shall we journey on together? The brothers looked at the black and thorn-set trees, at the towering rocks, at the wastes of the beautiful snows. They looked with astonishment at this old, half-blind mountaineer, with his lean, sinewy arms and hill-bent legs and his bandaged eyes, and Thumb lifted his hands in salutation to Gibba, as if he were a Mulla Mulgar himself. Why should we lead you into strange dangers, O man of the mountains? he grunted, maybe to death. But if you ask to come with us, if we have only to choose, how can I and my brothers say no? We will at least be friends who do not part while danger is near, 
and though we never reach the valley, Tishnar befriends the Meermuts of the brave. Let us then go on together. So Gibba went back to his people and told them what Thumb had said, and being now agreed together, they all hobbled off but three, who were left to guard the bundles, to break and cut down wood, and to see if perhaps among the thorns grew any nut-trees. But they found none, and for their pains were only scratched and stung by these waste-trees, which bear a deadly poison in their long hooked thorns. This poison, like the English nettle, causes a terrible itch to follow wherever the thorns scratch, so that the travellers could get no peace from the stinging and itching except by continually rubbing the parts in snow wherever the thorns had entered, and Nod, while they were stick-gathering, kept close to Gibba. "'Tell me, Prince of the Mountains,' he said, "'what are these nets of Numenasia of which you spoke to my brother Thumb? What is there so much to fear?' Gibba had sat himself down in the snow to pluck a thorn out of his foot. "'I will tell the prince a tale,' he said, stooping over his bundle. "'Long time ago came to our mountains a Mulgar travelling alone. My kinsmen think oftener of him than any stranger else, because, Mulla Mulgar, he taught us to make fire. He was wayworn and full of courage, but he was very old, and he too was journeying to the valleys of Tishnar. But he was, too, a silent Mulgar, never stirred his tongue unless in a kind of drone at evening.' and told us little of himself and sleep. "'What was he like?' said Nod. "'Was he mean and little like me, or tall and bony like my brother Thumb, or fat like the Mullamulgar, my eldest brother Thumb?' "'He was,' said Gibba. "'None of these. He was betwixt and between, but he wore a ragged red jacket like those of the Mulgars, and on his woman-hand stood no fourth finger.' "'Was the little woman-finger newly gone or oldly gone?' said Nod. I was younger then, Nizanila, and looked close at everything. It was newly gone. The stump was bald and pale red. He was too white in the extreme, this old Mulgar travelling out of Munza. Every single hair he carried, as it were, been dipped in Tishnar's meal. "'I believe—oh, but I do believe,' said Nod. "'This poor old traveller was my father, the Mulla Mulgar Salim of the beautiful valleys.' Then said Gibba, jerking his faggot on his back and turning towards the camp. He was a happy Mulgar, for he has brave sons. "'Tell me more,' said Nod. "'What did he talk about? Did he speak ever of Omanada? How long did he stay with the Malamunas? Which way did he go?' "'Lead on, then,' said Gibba, peering under his bandage. "'Here go I,' said Nod, touching his paw. "'He followed the mountain paths with my own father.' said Gibba, and lived alone for many days in one of our Spaniards, for he was worn out with travels, and nearly dead from lying down to drink out of a quickle fish-pool. But after five days, while he was still weak, he rose up at daybreak, crying out in Munza Mulgar, he could remain with us no longer. So my people brought him, as I have brought you, to this everlasting snow-field, where he said farewell and journeyed on alone. "'Had he a gun?' said Nod. "'What is a gun, Nizanila? "'What then? What then?' cried Nod impatiently. Two nights afterwards,' continued the old Mulgar, "'some of my people came up to the other end of the gorge of the Long Noses. "'There they found him, cold and bleeding, in his second sleep. "'The Long Noses had pelted him with stones till they were tired. "'But it was not their stones that had driven him back. "'He would not answer when the men of the mountains came whispering, "'but sat quite still, staring under his black arches as if afraid.' 
after two days more he rose up again crying out in another voice like a momulgar so we came again with him two ropes of us along the walks the traveller knows and towards evening with his bag of nuts and water-bottle and his rags of juzana he left us once more next morning my father and my people came one or two together to where we sit and what did they see what did they see nod repeated with frightened eyes they did see only this said gibba footsteps one two one two just as the mulla mulgar walks all across the snow beyond the thorn trees but they did see also other footsteps slipping sliding and here and there a mark as if the traveller had fallen in the snow and all these coming back from the thorn-trees and at the beginning of the ice-path was a broken bundle of nuts strewn abroad but uneaten and the shreds of a red jacket water-bottle there was none and mulgar there was none we never saw or heard of that mulgar again o oh, man of the mountains cried nod where then is my father now gibba stooped down and peered under his bandage close into nod's small face i believe ingenaries your father if that mulgar was your father is happy and safe now in the valleys of tishnar but said nod he must have come back again out of his wits with fear of the country of shadows why said gibba a brave mulgar might come back once twice ten times but while one foot would swing after the other he might still arise in the morning and try again on on he would say it is better to die going than to live come back and nod comforted himself a little with that perhaps he would yet meet his father again riding on tishnar's leopard-bridled zevras perhaps and he twisted his little head over his shoulder perhaps even now his meermut haunted near but tell me tell me this mountain mulgar what was the fear which drove him back what feet so light ran after him that they left no imprint in the snow whose shadow hands tore his jacket to pieces gibba threw down his bundle of twigs and rubbed his itching arms with snow that mulla mulgar he said smiling crookedly we shall soon find out for ourselves if only i had the wonderstone hung in my beard i would go singing nod opened his mouth as if to speak and shut it again he stared hard at those bandaged eyes he glanced across at the black huddling thorn-trees at the mountain mulgars going and returning with their faggots at thimble lying dozing in his litter all the while betwixt finger and thumb he squeezed and pinched his wonderstone beneath the lappet of his pocket should he tell gibba should he wait and while he was fretting in doubt whether or no there came a sharp short yelp and suddenly out of the thorn-trees skipped a mountain mulgar and came scampering helter-skelter over the frozen snow yelping and chattering as he ran following close behind him lumbered thumb who hobbled a little way then stopped and turned back staring why do you dance in the snow my poor child what ails you mocked gibba when the mountain mulgar had drawn near have you pricked your little toe the mountain mulgar cowered panting by the fire which gibba had kindled and for a long while he made no answer so nod scrambled up on his fours up the crusted slope of snow he passed as he went two or three of the men of the mountains whimpering and whispering but none of them could tell him what they feared at last he reached thumb who was still standing stooping in the snow staring silently towards the clustering thorn-trees what is it brother said nod as he came near what is it brother why do you crouch and stare come close umanada 
said Thumb. "'Tell me, is there anything I see?' They hobbled a little nearer and stood stooping together with eyes fixed. These thorn-trees, as dense as holly, but twisted and huddled, grew not close together, but some few paces apart, as if they feared each other's company. Between them only purest snow lay, on which evening shed its light, and now that the sun was setting, leaning his beams on them from behind Moot, their gnarled and spiny branches were all aflame with scarlet. It was utterly still. Nod stood with wide-open eyes, and softly and suddenly he hardly knew how or when he found himself gazing into a face, quiet and lovely, as if it were of the beauty of the air. He could not stir, he had no time to be afraid. They stood there, these clumsy Mulgars, so still that they might have been carved out of wood. Yet, thought Nod afterwards, he was not afraid. He was only startled at seeing eyes so beautiful, beneath hair faint as moonlight, between the thorn-trees, smiling out at him from the coloured light of sunset. Then, just as suddenly and as softly the face was gone, vanished. Thumb, thumb, he whispered. Surely I have seen the eyes of a wandering maiden of Tishnar. Sst, said Thumb harshly. There, there. He pointed towards one of the thorn-trees. Every branch was quivering, every curved, speared leaf trembling, as if a flock of silvery parakeetos perched in the upper branches, where there are no thorns, or as if scores of the tiny spider mulgars swung from twig to twig. The next moment it was still, still as all the others that stood around, afire with the last sunbeams. Yet nothing had come, nothing had gone. "'Ak, Magluna, Nani, Nod!' called Thumb, afraid. "'La Gusla, Sulmajila!' They scuttled back without once turning their heads to the fire, where all the hill-mulgars were sitting. Whispering together they were, too, as they nibbled their cheese and sipped slowly from their gurgling narrow-mouthed bags or bottles. They carried Thimble close to the fire, and Gibba was roasting nuts for him. Thumb and Nod came down and seated themselves beside Gibba, but they had agreed together to say nothing of what they had seen, for fear of affrighting Thimble, who was still weak in head and body and continually shivering and Nod told his brothers all that Gibba had told him concerning the solitary traveller, and Thumb sat listening, heavy and still, with his great face towards the huddling thorns that wooded the height. So they talked and talked, sitting together, round about their fire. The twigs of these thorns burn marvellous clear with colours, and at each thorn-tip, as the flame licks near, wells out and gathers a milk-pale globe of poison that, drying, bursts in the heat so all the fire is continually a crackle, amidst a thin smoke of a smell like nard. Never before had so bright a bonfire blazed upon these hills, for the men of the mountains never camp beyond the pass, and the long noses have not even the wits to keep a fire fed with fuel. But as the day wore on, and when all the feather smoke had disappeared, they assembled in hundreds upon hundreds, sitting a long distance off, all their noses stuck towards the blaze, snuffing the cloudy fragrance of the nard, but they were too much afraid of the travellers to venture near now that they were free men and out of the pass. The sun had set, but the moon was at full, and the travellers determined to go forward at once. It was agreed that every one should carry a bundle of sticks on his shoulders, also a stout cudgel or staff, that they should march close in rows of four, with thimble's litter in their midst, and that the mulgar at each corner should carry a burning torch. They made what haste they could to tie up their bundles, bottles, and faggots, so as to lose nothing of the moon's brilliance during the long night. 
she rode unclouded above the snow-fields when the little band of mulgar travellers set out as soon as they were gone down trooped the long-nosed obobomans to the fire sniffing and scuffling to fall asleep at last higgledy-piggledy in a great squirrel-coloured ring around the glowing embers their noses towards the fire End of chapter 18